Hi, it's Karen here. And before we begin, I want to take a moment to tell you about something special. After my own cancer diagnosis, I realized the importance of having a helpful and simple resource. That's why I wrote Happiness Through Hardship, a guide and journal for cancer patients, their caregivers, and friends. Like a good friend, this book will provide practical tips and resources, as well as a few stories providing hope. If you or someone you know has been diagnosed, I encourage you to send them a copy of this book. Please go to prettywellness.com forward slash book or buy directly on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or Target.com. Half the proceeds also go to the Cancer Couch Foundation, where 100% of the donations are matched and fund metastatic breast cancer research. This is incredibly important. And today's guest is also a powerhouse in funding metastatic breast cancer research through her own foundation, the Breast Friends Fund. So let's begin. I want to welcome you to Happiness Through Hardship, the podcast. I'm Karen Sullivan, the founder of Pretty Wellness, a two-time breast cancer survivor thriving with stage four disease and author of the book, which is a cancer guide and journal for patients and caregivers that shares the same name as this podcast, Happiness Through Hardship. I'm also a girl who wishes on pennies. I try to see the good in everything, even when life is not so great. But sometimes it takes a little more. And this podcast will provide you with what worked well for me. Success stories of people that have been through hard times and simple suggestions that brought hope, resources, and connections. If you like these episodes, please do me a favor, rate, review, and subscribe. Your efforts truly will help this podcast get noticed and help us inspire more people. And now... For this episode, I am honored to have a dear friend, fellow mom, former colleague, and cancer sister join me in a conversation about asking for help. Whether you're dealing with chronic illness or just having a hard time keeping up with life, asking for help can be an incredibly powerful way to make all of our lives easier. So please, grab your favorite drink, get cozy, and let's get started. I am so excited to introduce you to today's guest, Sandy Casanelli, a loving mother and wife, successful businesswoman, and courageous cancer thriver. She is truly a wonder woman by day and by night. She's the CEO and co-owner of Greeno Supply, the founder and leader of the Breast Friends Fund, which has raised over $660,000 for metastatic breast cancer research and a proud member of several chambers, alliances, and community programs. She's received multiple notable awards, including the Malta House of Hope, Wonder Woman Award, the Business West Award for Being a Difference Maker, and the WTNH-TV Remarkable Woman in Connecticut Award. It is safe to say that Sandy is making her mark on the world, and it is a life-saving one. I also have some other fun facts Sandy and I have a little bit in common that goes way beyond breast cancer. See, she and I both met our husbands at work and even at the same workplace. And believe it or not, 
it was this workplace that this beautiful, successful, courageous, and resilient woman, Sandy, traveled with, or should I say organized travel, for larger-than-life characters. Now, Sandy, should I tell them? I don't know if the world, pretty wellness world, and the happiness through hardship world really knows where I met my husband. Wow. After all these years, they don't know. Wow. Well, I guess it's, it's we've been together for so long. So here, guys, is the little-known fact. Both Sandy and I worked for the biggest wrestling company in the world, WWE, World Wrestling Entertainment, which was then WWF and then WWFE and then WWE. And so we are going to spend today's conversation not so much going down memory lane, although I'm sure we both have a ton of stories, but we are going to be wrestling with, notice my plan words there, (laughs) wrestling with how to ask for help. Now, this podcast episode, I really plan to have it drop around the holiday season because I think the holiday season is really overwhelming for a lot of people. Although Sandy and I both have been hit with hardship, which is cancer. And uh, for those of you listening, I'm sure no matter what it is that you're going through, stress, family relations, cancer, relationships, any type of stress, we're all in this world together. And so asking for help can be so helpful, right? But sometimes it's really hard to do it. So Sandy, like, tell me, why do you think that is? Whether it's speaking from your own experience or that of others, why is it so hard for us to ask for help? I think because as women, we like to be, um, you know, we take care of everything and um, our children, our families, and, you know, it's kind of being in control. And I think by asking for help, we're, kind of relinquishing a little bit of control and that's really hard for us. I mean, I speak, you know, I know I'm a control freak myself, so I need to be in charge of everything. Well, and and I also think that maybe this is a generation Xer in in me as well, but I'm a recovering perfectionist. Like I always strive and I achieve. And so for so long, it was like, I felt like I could do it all. And that was a badge that you wore like, Oh, I can do it all. I can be an amazing you know, employee, I can be a creative soul, I can be an amazing mother, I can be a great cook, although honestly, I've never really thought that, but I definitely (laughs) prepare dinner, right? There are all these things I can do. And even when I got cancer, I was like, well, we can do it on this own. I don't want to ask for help. Agreed. (laughs) Right? Like in, in, but I will say that once I did, it became a lot easier. And I think that some of that has to go with the people who love you and care about you. A lot of times, no matter what hardship you're going on in life, it could be just that, you know, something tough is going on at work. Your friends care and they can't necessarily solve your problems or your family can't, I mean, hey, cancer, can't cure cancer. You know, something going on at work, if they don't work with you, they may not be able to do more than give you a little bit of advice or, or be there to vent, to listen but they want to help. And some ways to make it better is to authentically help you. So I think in recent years when I've started to ask for help, it's really made it easier. Now, I will say in true confession here, as Sandy and I are going into this conversation, like we really want to have a conversation about what it means to ask for help. I really did look for some notable sources because I'm not a psychologist. I don't have a, so- a social 
worker background, but I do believe in the research that's out there. And so I stumbled upon a few like research documents, as well as something written by Jeffrey Davis, who is an author, researcher, a teacher. He also has a podcast, which is the same name as his book, Tracking Wonder. He focuses on fo- flourishing in the times of challenge and change, right? So this piece that he had once written was about tips to effectively ask for help and get a yes. And what he said on this note of it's hard to ask for help is that in a society that praises self-help and self-reliance, mm-hmm, that's what we were just saying, it's become increasingly difficult for us to ask our colleagues, friends, and even our family for the assistance we need. The mere thought of asking for help can eat away at our ego, undermine our confidence, make us question our abilities, and even paralyze us with anxiety. Yet in modern life, at a time when we're more digitally connected and emotionally detached than ever, the stark reality is that no one can go at it alone. Like, did you ever read those parenting books um, you know, before the girls were born or once they were born about it takes a village, right? Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. And I still read them as teens sometimes. <laughs> well, I, I, and I have to say, I believe that we were taught that we can ask for help in the, in the roles of grooming a family and raising a family. Why are we not asking for help in other areas of our lives really so that we can be a good parent or a good cancer patient or a good employee or founder or creative soul, whatever it might be. So I don't know. I I think first I would like to reflect on some times like what have people done for you, whether it's work or whether it's as a cancer patient that has helped you. I want to be able to give some people ideas because I think sometimes it really takes the ideas. You know, people don't know what to do. People don't know what to say. And the friend or, or what are some of the ideas? And even as the cancer patient or the person that's in need, sometimes I don't even know what to ask for because I feel like it's so much. Where have people helped you? I mean, honestly, from the smallest thing as just sending a text saying, hey, I'm thinking of you today. Um, that to me just means so much, you know, it, even without doing something, I feel like just acknowledging that someone is thinking of you and you're in their thoughts, um, to me is a lot, you know, that something small like that. Um, I struggle with asking for help, even, you know, through chemo or anything, you know, in my bed, I would never dare, you know, people want to start those meal trains. And I was like, no, 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 that absolutely not. Um, you know, sometimes you don't even, I think you shouldn't even ask, you should do, because I've had people who just drop things off and you're like, wow, that was really nice. And I didn't realize how helpful it would be. So, um, just, you know, just doing instead of asking what someone needs for help for, I, I just, to me, help so much. I love that because that is something that I've talked about a number of times myself because I believe it as well. Proactively dropping things off or in this day and age, I know, you know, you've got young kind of middle, not middle-aged kids, but in school, middle school, high school kids, you might be driving a million different directions. So reaching out to that person, I want to bring you over colony pizza tonight. What time will you be home? Or listen, I've brought a number of treats and board games 
for you and your family to play as I know you have COVID and you need to quarantine for, for however long it might be. You know, it's just not, it's not just cancer. There's other things that have been going on in people's lives this year, or somebody just had surgery. What can you do just proactively dropping over things? I, I will say something else that I love is a thoughtful gift card. And what I mean by that is, you know, everybody can use a gift card. They can use a, a Visa card. And I know it seems impersonal or an Apple iTunes card. And what I've done in the past is I have told other people or I've sent it in a card saying, here's an Apple iTunes card. You might want to pump me up new playlist when you're going into surgery or when you're going into treatment or where you're going on a long road trip because you're visiting a sick relative. Here are my top 10 pick, you know, pump me up songs. Like that to me is you're providing the gift card. You know, maybe the person's going to buy a book on Apple iTunes, you know, on on iTunes or through Apple and they're not going to do the music. Or maybe you're going to give them your top favorite soothing gift ideas and give them a visa card or an Amazon card, but you're putting the thought into it and actually giving them something they can use, whether they use the thought or not. I love it. Or I mean, and, and if people want to do something and they don't have the money, I think even just a card, you know, to get a card in the mail, um, whether you're, like you said, through COVID or any, or you're just having a tough time at your job, you know, how many, People are just going through tough times in general in the world or problems with your kids. For someone to just, you know, send you a card, um, I think means so much to me. Well, and I agree. And in this day and age where we're so used to texting and emailing, to have that snail mail and to get something in the mail that's not a bill or a catalog that wants me to buy something, right? That's, I find that. So, so I do believe that we're, you know, we're jumping into this part of the podcast talking about like how, if you, if you, if you have a friend in need, what ideas, what things can be done proactively. Although what we really want to talk about is how to ask for help because it's hard to do it, but how can you do it? And so I went back to the psychology today files and I found four tips, again, that this researcher had suggested. And he pulled it from a number of like white papers that he was researching as well. And so, Sandy, I'd love for you and I to kind of dive in and talk a little bit about how could we make these tips, in a sense, work for us or to encourage others to consider asking for help. Because I will say you had mentioned not wanting to do a meal train. And I felt the same way because not only are we difficult eaters, like I'm largely vegan, my husband's now vegetarian, my son has a peanut allergy, and we try to eat healthy. I thought earlier on I didn't want to have like casseroles brought to my house because I wasn't going to eat them, right? Even though it was so thoughtful and nice. However, uh, when I went through radiation this past summer, I remember being stressed out, lying on basically the machine and thinking, I got to get my husband to plan dinner and then stressing out because I knew his answer. I was be so grateful for him to plan dinner, but his answer was going to be likely, let's just do Uber Eats. Let's just order out. And that's time and that's money and that's thought. And 
then I threw my hands up in the air. I'm like, this is why people do meal trains. So that here I am about to go into radiation, which I should be a little more nervous about that, but I'm worried about dinner and dinner for the next few weeks. And so that's when I reached out to four of my friends that I'm close with that live in the neighborhood that they're, they know each other. And I'm like, this is really uncomfortable for me to do because I don't like to ask for help. But you know what? You guys have asked what you can do. And they were so excited, I believe. At least that's what they said. I think they were excited because they were shocked that I even asked and that they could help me in a way that really was helpful. And so here I will say the first thing that you know, our buddy, he's going to be our buddy by the end of this, um, Jeffrey Davis says, is make an ask and make it clear and concise. And so, I mean, what are your thoughts about that in terms of if you're going to ask for something, it kind of seems to make sense. Uh, yes, for years. I mean, I have been struggling for years for asking because, um, like I said, when we started, I'm just a control freak and I have to do it all. My job, um, my fundraising, my house, everything. And I would have people constantly with, um, you know, the the charity part say, like, what can I do to help? What can I do to help? And I'm like, I'll let you know. I'll let you know. I'll let you know. And I never did. And finally, like my husband said to me, what are you doing? You're running around and you have so many people that want to help you. So I finally did. I, you know, when it came to have emails written or, you know, things that I needed help with, I, I finally asked and I have to say it was just, it was so liberating. And not only was I helping myself, but I was making my friends feel good because they were helping me and they didn't know what to do. Well, and I think that is, is so key especially for those touched by cancer. Like this has been a road for you and I, and we've been doing it for a while. And while we put on a smiley face a lot of the time and we're brave and we're courageous and all those words, like we have our moments that we're really scared and those are intense and they're exhausting, not mentioning the treatments. So for you on top of everything you go through and you work and you run the foundation, to be able to let somebody help you do what's so close to your heart is, you know, is pretty amazing for them as well as you. Absolutely. And I, you know, I just, it, it's a win-win for everybody. Um, you know, and I just feel like you really need to help let people help you because you're making them feel so much better because people want to help. People want to do things and they just don't know what to do. So when you finally come to them and say, Hey, can you do X, Y, Z? It's, it just makes them feel so good. (laughs) Well, and I also think there are doers, which you clearly are. And there's, I don't know what the other words were like tactical folks, um, they might be the, I don't want to use the word followers because I think that could be a, a negative connotation, but they're people who lead the work and run and do the work. And then there's other people who are waiting to get the direction because they want clear and concise direction. And so we are helping ourselves by helping them. And, you know, I know with, in terms of this meal train recently, I, we actually spelled out, they said, we know you've got eating challenges. What is it that you want? And so I, we spelled out all the eating stuff, but I also, and I felt so uncomfortable being like, we love, you know, Shikihana, we love um, Colony or Chipotle or Yala Organics, um, naming all these places. 
or here's the various foods we might eat. And it was really amazing to have that type of help. And because I gave direction, I, I, I hope, I think my friends felt good that they were making my life easier. And so, you know, I, I encourage people. I pushed back on the meal trains for years. And it, it became really helpful because that is something that when you're going through, uh, you know, any type of hardship, you still need to eat. The, the other thing people did was they brought not just like meals, but a bunch of snacks and foods and groceries so that it was easy for me to grab. You know I love fresh fruits and vegetables. It was easy for me to grab that. Or bringing snacks, like I've got a kid that's in school, snacks that were easy to bag. Some were even bagged that I could put in school lunches. So that was, you know, having, not just asking for help, but just being concise about it, asking for what you want and how you want it, because then people can activate quickly on it and then feel good about it. I agree. Now, the second, the, the second tip he says, and I'm just like going to go hide in a corner because I do this all the time, is don't apologize for what you ask. What do you think about that? Again, again like for you and I, it's so hard to ask. So, of, of course, I'm, I feel like we're always apologizing because we're, you know, we're outside of our comfort zone by asking. Um, but I'll, I will have, I'll say, I'll, that's how I'll start my you know, ask with some of my friends and they're like, why are you apologizing? Like, we want to do this. We want to help you. Um, We've offered, so you shouldn't apologize. You know, we thank you for asking us for the help because then we're not guessing onto what you need. You're helping us too. So um, I know it's hard. I struggle with it myself, but um, I don't think we should apologize. Well, right. And I, 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 as I said, I, I, don't have many great statements on that because I apologize so much because I'm uncomfortable and it's because it's something I don't do often. The other thing I want to make a side note of is when I made the ask and then my friends started asking questions in my mind, I started to worry that I asked too much that I made this hard on them. It was the beginning of the school year too, so they had a lot going on and here they're jumping circles. I almost said, no, never mind, don't do it, don't do it. I don't want to be an inconvenience. I don't want to do that. But that would take away the joy of some of what they were doing. And, you know, I'm not saying it wasn't inconvenient. I'm sure it was, especially for the ones who organized it. But it really was, you know, for me dealing with cancer, sometimes I minimize how much I'm going through because I want to be brave for other people there. But there are times that, you, you know, Sandy, that we're going to a dark place and no one really knows how to get us out of it. Or at least in my case, I'm the one who has to do it. And so just to have people have my back in a way that makes my life easier it means so much more than I can put into words. So I'm sorry if I said sorry too much. It's something I'll work on, right? I agree with you 100%. <laughs> All right. So the third tip is make it personal and not transactional. So what he's saying first is don't ask for help over email or text, though it's easier to send a written request. It's also a lot easier to say no to to one. So try to speak face-to-face or call. Studies show that face-to-face requests are 34 times more successful. Well, the other thing he says, I don't know, what do you think about that? I mean, 
We can disagree. It's funny, beca- it's funny because I tell my daughters all the time to not um, do things over texts and emails to confront, um, you know, to go to people face to face because um, that, that, you know, people will not say no or you will get your point across. But I have to be honest, um, in my asks for help, they're always in writing. <laughs> and I just think it's just a day in the age that we're in, right? It's so easy to send a text. I could be on my elliptical and I could send about 20 texts or emails or whatever versus picking up the phone call, you know, picking up the phone or going face to face. That takes time <laughs> and energy, you know? Well, so, and, and that's where I'm at too. I think that this information is if you're going to make a big ask, that you're really uncomfortable with and you really want the yes, I definitely agree that with him that this makes sense if you strategically want to figure out the best way to get the yes. However, I'm like you. I sent it via text because I was overwhelmed and I was tired and I was looking for help. And I guess I figured if they said no, I'd probably go somewhere else because I was really needing the help. And if you're somebody who doesn't ask for help a lot, I think I do think the sirens went off a little bit like, wow, she actually asked for help. So I'm like you. I go back and forth. I, I do think his next follow-up point was something I think is interesting. He says, make your request more personal by explaining why the person's skills or expertise make them uniquely suited to this task. When I was first diagnosed in 2004, uh, my sister and I have not lived in the same place for years. And so she did a lot of the research. I tell people all the time, you've heard me say it, Sandy, Google is not your doctor. When you're going through chronic illness or cancer, you go online and you look for some information and it's scary. So don't go there, at least not at first. But you could delegate that. You could ask somebody. And my sister's a researcher. And so that was something that I could delegate to her that was taken off my plate and it played to her strengths. And so I also went to my childhood. One of my childhood best friends was a dietitian in France. And so I remember calling her. I mean, listen, I live in Connecticut. And in France, it was like six hours ahead. And I couldn't fall asleep. And I remember connecting with her at like three in the morning, my time. I can't sleep. I could use your help. Could you research like food and eating and, and healing with cancer? And so she, and there was one night where we were on the phone together and she was on the internet and I wasn't, but she was reading me what she found and then sending me what she found. And so that's an example. I didn't realize I was doing it, right? But that I was, you know, know your audience. If there's somebody who's good at something, that's a compliment to them. You know, whether you text it to them or you call them and ask them, hey, you're identifying something they're good at. And you're hoping they can help. Hopefully, if they're good at it, it's a little easier for them to do, right? Yes. I'm, my girlfriend is a marketing queen. Um, and even though that is my husband's background, like he does enough. I don't need to go to him when I need marketing stuff for my um, fundraising. And I go to her and she's amazing at it. And why, you know, she's offered, why wouldn't I tap her sources? So it's, um, yeah, it's. It's not my, it's not my expertise, you know? So it's again, a win-win for both of us. She's happy. She's helping me and she's so good at it. Well, right. And I mean, again, those are some of the, I don't want to use the word perfect. I'm a recovering perfectionist. Those are these 
amazing synergistic scenarios when you have a need to be filled and you have somebody who's talented and eager to do it, right? And this is to help us out. It isn't necessarily work-related. It's for, you know, helping us out in whatever our endeavors might be. Now, something else that he said, which is, again, in that card category for me, is, is you don't need to promise something in return. That's a trap I've fallen into. If you do this for me now, I promise I'll pay you back. He's saying that that's a little bit less effective. I guess I could see that being the truth. And I don't know. I mean, I think in, in recent years, I don't, I don't know necessarily say it, but in my heart, I know I would do the same thing. What about you? I know that I have said it. Like if someone does something for me, I'm like, I owe you, you know? Um, and they're always like, of course, no, you know, you don't, you, this is not a tip for tat. And I'll say to people that I help, um, they'll say, I owe you one. I'm like, no, no, I don't do it to get anything in return. So I, I think it's just part of human nature, you know? I think so too. Yeah. If, if we give, we, you know, if we get, we expect to give back. Well, and it may, it, it's also personal. I think different people's personalities, but you know, as we say, it's something I'm, I'm working on too, because I don't think I'd ever ask for something I wouldn't do. So in my heart, I know I would try and do it back if I could. I think it's just ingrained in me. But now his last tip is called is follow up with results. Now I would say in terms of the breast friends fund, that's something you probably do. I do. I mean, whether it be with the people that help me or um my donors or anybody that's associated with it. I definitely always, you know, when I, when there's an ask for money or help or anything, I always follow up with, well, we did X, Y, Z. And it's because of you. Um, it's not because of me. It's because of the people helping that, um, we do get those results and people love to hear them. I I feel like it gives them more energy too, you know, and want to help more. I would, I would agree with that. And I think, you know, knowing that your foundation supports metastatic breast cancer research, you and I, and, and some of the world know that it's completely underfunded. When I hear that $660,000 has gone to support metastatic breast cancer research lab. And sometimes I know you've probably talked about, oh, it takes this much to support one researcher. It becomes real that that money, that event that I went to, or that, you know, small effort that, I made or the the person made, it became substantial. Now, I think bringing this over to, you know, somebody who helps you out during your cancer diagnosis, like how would, how would that play out in terms of results? I mean, that's, that's what I'm trying to like, let's think this through. I think just by someone seeing how well you're doing and you telling them like, gee, you know, that meal really helped me out. Thank you so much. It it took the pressure off of me. Now I can, I could rest more or I got to do something that I wanted to do, like walk with a friend or spend more time with my family. I think that really helps. Well, and I think, I mean, I'm sitting here and while I've mentioned on social media a few times, some of the efforts that the four friends that put together my meal train or the, I think about 12 friends, 15 friends that brought over dinner or groceries or snacks or silly things. Um, 
I'm trying to find a way that I can authentically show them my heart. And I think that that is, you know, is that a thank you card two weeks after it happened? That isn't. I still haven't written a thank yous and I'm embarrassed to admit that. But I also am always about trying to be real. And my grandmother would be so mad at me because she believed any small gift you get, you write a write a letter and you thank you letter and you send it right away. Um, I think my mom would not be proud either. <laughs> so shame on me. And, and I want to do the right thing. And so therefore, for all those and for everybody, all the pretty wellness support I got through this summer with my radiation, I am grateful and I, I believe I've said it. But to write the thank yous, I'm still, I'm, I'm, I'm there. I got, the, I, I finally bought the note cards the other day. Um, if that's something that's tr- true to your heart, I think when somebody helps you out, when you've asked them for help, I, you know, I think a thank you in some way is showing them to your point results, but it doesn't necessarily, you got to do, you know, you do you. I know that sounds silly and trite, but what fills your heart? What will, how can you connect with them to show them that? it meant something to you and you're doing better because of it. I agree. Everybody has to do them. I am the crazy thank you girl. Like the minute I, someone does something for me, I have the thank you note ready in their mailbox, postage stamp gone. That's me. So I think if people didn't get a thank you note for me, they'd be like, whoa, what's going on? Because I'm known as the thank you note girl, you know? But it doesn't mean that I thank them any more than you do. You know, it, it's just everybody, you got to do you. Well, and I think that that, that's perfectly said. You have to do you. So if you're listening right now and you've asked for help, but you haven't written the thank you note, I will give you, you know, lots of grace on that. And, you know, listen, life is busy. I think if you say it, I've had, you know, I had a lot of people like through the course of my cancer, I think this is kind of an advice overall, like through the course of my cancer journey, which has been 17 years this December, Right? Like some people say the right thing. Some people say the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. Some people don't say anything. And uh, I I think that overall my belief in life is is, as long as you say it at some point, that's okay. I mean, that's my value, right? That's okay. I agree. I agree 100%. So, all right. What I would love to do is, you know, we've hopefully we've shared some good information and conversation about how people – can, you know, start to ask for help. You know, we're going into the holiday season. Can somebody help you? Can you delegate coming up with ideas for holiday presents? Can you delegate some of the cooking? Can you, you know, have your kids go somewhere so you can do some holiday shopping? I mean, I'm just throwing ideas out there. I don't know. What do, what do you think are ways that people could help out during the holidays? Have someone wrap your gifts for you. Oh my gosh, I love that. Right. That's yes. so tedious. I remember like my kids being little and, um, you know, finding the right time hiding, you know, that is, that's huge because it takes a lot of time asking, handing someone your, um, address list, having them do, you know, just put the stickers on your cards for you. That takes a lot of time. That's amazing. I want to find somebody to wrap the gifts for me. And, you know, and, and this season it, it might be, Maybe people are going to plan early because we're hearing about all, you know, the shortages. And and so if you're getting things shipped or you have to ship, like think, do it early. So, you know, we got to start thinking about ways. And I think if we're, you know, if we have the mentality, like how can you help, uh, which I think comes back in full circle and how, how 
we can help and how we can be helped or how we can ask for help. So here's where I think you and I are going to ask the listeners for help. You know that we're both, or, or now you know that we're both metastatic breast cancer survivors. And Sandy, I'd like to hand the mic over to you to talk a little bit about metastatic breast cancer research, why it's important and what, how people here can help us. Um, so when I was diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer six years ago, um, I, my family and I always did so much for the big, um, cancer organizations before I even had breast cancer. It touched our lives so much. We knew so many people. Um, and when I became metastatic, we started doing our homework and who gave what to the research. And we were floored that the organizations we had been giving so much of our money to were um, giving so little to the cure. Um, So upon doing our research, trying to find out which organization we should support that gives the most to the research, the common theme that I kept seeing on all the different um, breast cancer organizations was that Dr. Eric Weiner was their key researcher. So um, being his patient, we were like, well, why would we give to an organization that's going to give to him? And even most organizations still, you know, they have to take a little piece of their admin. Why don't we approach him to see if we could start fundraising um, ourselves and just give him the money directly? That way there's no fees at all. And we would pay for, we would, as a family, you know, any fees that were incurred, we would pay for So we approached Dr. Weiner and of course he loved the idea and we made our first $100,000 commitment. And I was so nervous. I remember signing those papers going, Oh my God, how am I going to raise a hundred thousand dollars in five years? This is crazy. I, I, I I can't believe I'm committing to this, but we did. And I'm proud to say that five years later, we have raised over $660,000. So that's amazing. So that paper has long gone. Um, And it's, People want to help. People want to donate. Um, and I think when there's a person and they see the results, like, I mean, we know that people like you and I don't, most of them don't do as well as you and I do, um, unfortunately. And we've both lost a lot of friends to this horrible disease. So when people see us thriving and doing so well, they, you know, they want to help. They want to donate. And when you say 100% goes to the research, then they're going to do it even more. Well, and I I remember the day so vividly that I was told I had stage four disease. And all I knew, and by the way, I had cancer before this. So all I knew was that people with stage four died and they died quickly. But I was wrong. I was wrong that stage four, yes, there are plenty of people that that happens to. But what I've learned through what you were saying is that with research comes new treatments. With new treatments comes more hope because just because, you know, X, Y, and Z treatments don't work for one person, the next one might. And that's why I was actually interviewing an oncologist for the podcast and we were, call it laughing, about how when I had my stage four disease, my chemo pill that I'm on right now was not in circulation. It was not approved by the FDA yet. And so even in the um, eight years since I've had metastatic breast cancer, 
there have been new treatments. And I own, I know that one of Dr. Eric Weiner's labs is working on research for what happens if my chemotherapy regimen stops working, then what's next? And so that's where stage four is scary. You and I both can talk to that, but I think we also want to have so much hope because we have young families and we want to live and have great qualities of life. And so I think we've also, whether we like it or not, want to be that success story for all the people that might be listening right now that know somebody that's touched with any type of cancer, early stage, late late stage, or even years from now, they can be like, oh, you know, I remember listening to that Happiness Through Hardship podcast um, with these two amazing ladies who had stage four breast cancer. One lives was living six years, one was living eight years, and we both beat the odds several times, and we plan to both do so. So with that, I ask if you are feeling generous um, or if you just want to, if you, I will put in the show links, and, and Sandy, I'd like you to let us know where people can find you and follow you. Let them know how they can donate, because this will save lives. So you can donate at www.breastfriendsfund.org, um, and you could follow us on Facebook at Breast Friends Fund. Um, yeah, those are the best ways to to um to find us and read you know about the story and more about Dr. Weiner and what um an amazing scientist he is and learn more about metastatic disease if you don't know. Well, thank you so much Sandy for being here today. As you know, I end each episode playing the grateful game. And if you're new to me, this is a mindful practice that I started with my son a few years ago where we talk about what we're grateful for and why. We do it most nights and now we close out every episode because honestly, yes, I know that my cancer diagnosis isn't going to be cured through my my mindful practice. However, I believe that little practices can add to a better life. And here at Happiness Through Hardship, the podcast, as well as Pretty Wellness, I truly believe if we take small steps, we can be happier and healthier. So Sandy, I'm going to go with 30 seconds what I'm grateful for and why today, and then I'll toss it to you. I really have to say, because I haven't written my thank you notes yet. Carrie, Lindsay, Jackie, and Caroline, thank you so much for, um, for organizing the, the dinners and for my group of local friends that gave me just some of my favorite delicious meals from sushi to Uber Eats to Yala Organics to making your own stir fry to making your own chicken and pesto pasta and, you know, places like the pantry and Whole Foods and supporting all that and of course my favorite sushi places thank you thank you thank you and to all my other friends and pretty wellness followers on instagram and facebook and everything thank you for the love and support and there was i think a minute so i'm tossing it to you i am grateful every day for my faith in the lord um the support of my friends and my family um they give me strength every day um without them i could not get out of bed some days and i I'm just so thankful that I have that faith, hope, and love in my life. And with God and my family and my friends, I can do anything. Oh, that's so beautiful. And I thank you for being such a source of light in this world for not only your family, friends, community, and breast cancer survivors, but for me as well. This rekindled friendship has been more than just talking cancer, but I thank you for the thoughts and advice that you've given me. So with that, 
I want to thank you again, Sandy, for having this conversation. And guys, we did the best we could to try and provide tips and resources, knowing that um, we're not the experts. We're just, you know, two girls that care. And we hope that you've been able, maybe this information has helped you find a little bit of ease during the holiday season or whatever hardship you may have in life. So thanks again, everybody, for being here today. Thank you for listening and bye for now. Thank you so much for joining us today. I want to leave you with a quick thought, but first a request. Please take a minute to rate, review, and subscribe. You leaving a review helps us with our podcast ranking. The higher we are ranked, the more people can discover our show. And tell your friends about us. If you love us, they might too. I want to take a moment to ask you to consider helping someone with cancer. Those touched by cancer live it every day and rely on research to come up with better treatments and support from organizations to help them get through it. Please consider donating to Sandy's Foundation, Breast Friends Fund, or the Cancer Couch Foundation, a nonprofit also near and dear to my heart. Links to these charities are in the podcast show notes as well as on prettywellness.com. Thanks again for joining us today. I am sending you lots of happiness and great health. Bye for now. Bye.